with songs they have sung for a thousand years. The hills fill my heart with the sound of music. My heart wants to sing every song it hears. My heart wants to Welcome once again. And I say once again, because this is the third time we've tried to do this intro to episode 108 of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm still Christine. Yes. Uh, our favorite Christine. Uh, our favorite Christine, what movies are we covering today? All right. I I know the answer to this because I already did it. <laughs> so 1977's The Hills Have Eyes and 1995's Vampire in Brooklyn. Yes. This is... Uh, I thought this was our first official Wes Craven that we're covering, but I think there was one other thing we actually reviewed of his. Do you remember what it was? Because I don't. Um, I review all of his movies in my heart all the time. <laughs> well, because we, we both watch so many of his films that I feel like when we do our, you know, what we've been watching, it's like every week a Wes Craven movie comes up. Because I, I didn't realize, I guess, how much he directed, but also... In a way, and for me, this is why The Hills Have Eyes is going to be, like, a really special movie for me, is that, like, it is so much, uh, was one of my main child, I know this, what does this say about my childhood that I watched The Hills Have Eyes a lot, (laughs) but I totally did, and, like, like, I knew Wes Craven was probably one of the first horror filmmakers I knew by name. Because he was so much what I would read. Like, oh, there's... I don't know what this movie is. It's about a robot, but it's directed by Wes Craven. So surely Deadly Friend is going to be good. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I've never seen it. Oh, gosh. The basketball scene alone. Um, I'm just going to say it. Way better than Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, that to me isn't really a big reach at this point. I am, I am glad to know right away that you and I are going to be on the same page when it comes to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, the word slog is used so, you know, misused perhaps, but my God, do I have on one hand a lot to say, on the other hand, not much to say about Vampire in Brooklyn. Not it, much. Not, nothing really happens in that no, movie. It, it is but... ag- aggressively mediocre, is how I'm going to say it. Yep. Oh, boy. But um, but before we get to all this stuff, because I think yes. we both are going to have a lot to say about both of these movies, what else have you been watching? Yes. Okay. We haven't recorded for a little while, so mm. my list got kind of long. That's At first okay. it was like super tiny, but now it's gotten long, so I'm going to try to go fast. Um, hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do as my recommend, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. So I saw Equalizer 2 in the theater. Okay. Of course you did. Of course I did. Not as fun as the first Equalizer. I'm sorry. Well, the first Equalizer is very good, and this movie is... eh. I love Denzel, though, so... Yeah. I'm I'm trying to make a joke about how it's equal to, but it doesn't really make sense because you're saying it's not equal to first one it's not equalizer yeah. okay. to <laughs> more equal it's not that great okay. so to cleanse the palate i i i talked zach into watching unstoppable which is the chris pine denzel runaway train oh, movie yeah any good look i i've i saw it once and i was like this movie's so good and <laughs> i 
rep I rep it hard all the time. So Zach's like, okay, fine, we'll we'll watch it. I have no interest, but we'll watch it. And then at the end of it, I'm like, wasn't that the best? And he's like, no. What movie <laughs> did you watch? <laughs> so I don't know. I guess it's bad, but I I really like it. It tickles something in you. I get that. Yeah. Rosario yeah. Dawson's in it, and she's all like, "Stop that train!" And it's like great. Yeah, I, I like watching Rosario Dawson do things. So I'm I do. Get it. She yeah. just point, she has her arms folded a lot, and she like Ooh. looks pensive. It's really good. Is she like businesswoman or you know kind of kind um, civilian? No, she's businesswoman. Oh, nice. She's like like we. I work for this company, and we need to stop this train. Does she keep pulling out her cell phone and like look at it intensely? She's just staring at screens the whole time. It's nice. like you've seen this movie already. Uh, weird. Um, I have. I maybe I have in another life. It might just be really um, pedestrian and obvious, <laughs> but that's fine. I still like it. Um, watched the new Jurassic World. Ah, what did you think of it? Somehow liked it less than the first one. See, How I... is that possible? <laughs> you know, I you you say you you like Unstoppable and it makes you wonder about yourself. I fucking love Jurassic World. I I, I didn't see the new one. I'm not talking about Fallen Kingdom. I'm talking about Jurassic World. And the I first will... Jurassic, I had less. Yeah. No. You you didn't care for it, right? I had less problems. Okay. No, no, I, I had less problems with Jurassic the first Jurassic World as opposed to this one mm. it this one makes the first jurassic world look like a, a feat of strength like I, I don't know what was going on with this movie it it was real dumb and there was some real stupid like i don't want to see these themes try to be tackled in a dinosaur oh, movie okay. like the original jurassic the original Jurassic Park has like some asks really interesting questions about oh, like yeah. evolution and like have we overstepped? Like sure. I mean we all we all know that it, it deals with some interesting shit. This movie, no no no, don't even try. Well, neither Just did go Jurassic World, and I didn't mind that because Jurassic World was a dumb blockbuster and it was everything I wanted it to be. No, but this this movie is all about we created the dinosaurs. Should we? save them or let them die are they worth saving and they try to like come up with this really like this moral conundrum and it ends up being like a dinosaur bloodbath and like a a human bloodbath too i don't want to see i want to see humans die i don't want to see dinosaurs die but like and then they're trying to like yeah he got his comeuppance but it didn't really work Mm. and i mean like when the lawyer i guess it's the lawyer in the first one gets eaten by the t-rex everybody's like yeah and i guess that's cool but, like, this one, I was like, I don't fucking care if this guy gets eaten. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Like, I don't know. Look, you might like it. It's just, <laughs> I don't think it. She says dismissively. <laughs> I don't think, I, I would be surprised if you did. But, okay. Because it just really misfired a lot. I haven't heard um, anybody really praise it or even talk kindly about it. And, and like, people who liked the first one, Jurassic, which I know Jurassic World was divisive because some people mm-hmm. wanted a better quality movie and some people like me went there on a Friday night just wanting to be entertained and I was but I haven't heard anybody say the same about Fallen Kingdom so nah. I mean I'll watch it when it hits DVD probably um, but but interesting to hear your take on that so I would like to hear what you think when I've that time comes um, Zach had never seen Attack the Block oh what, a, ooh, ooh, what a fun movie to watch with somebody who'd never seen it I wish he had liked it God more. God damn it. Why'd you marry he, this man? I know. He liked it. 
but like I really feel talk about a feat of strength I feel like that movie is a feat of strength it takes any of its limitations and really uses them Mm -hmm. like I I love it and the performances in it are really great and when I first watched it I don't think I recognized anybody in it except Nick Frost and now it's just like a who's who oh yeah of like hey Jodie Whittaker you went on to stuff you went on to stuff yeah like it's it's cool and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it just as much but he was kind of like yeah it was good did you see that in the theater when it first came out that you did see it in the theater or no I liked it a lot yeah no it took me a while to see it like after it came out yeah that Um, was one where I saw it in the theater like having no under like just I think this was like back in the early days of Brandon and I dating and he was like oh this movie sounds interesting want to see it was like yeah sure and it was just such a nice fresh like wow I didn't know what I was getting and that was amazing yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's special. It is a special um, movie. I think so. Oh, I think it's very... Um, we we don't make enough movies like that mm-hmm. anymore, I don't okay. think. Um, so I've been watching a lot of movies in the background, and I don't really log those because mm. they're just on in the background. Sure. Um, so I rewatched Tremors. Oh, fun. And I was like, fuck, man, Tremors is so good. so good. And then Zach was like, oh, have you ever seen any of the sequels? And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so so we watched Tremors 2, and it was actually really good. I, You know, I saw Tremors 2 when it first came out. And this is obviously going back, what, 20 years now. And I remember mm-hmm. just being like, it's not as good as Tremors. But I wonder how it would hold up. I saw the fourth one, I think, the one that's a prequel where it's in the Old West. And that's pretty fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to watch all of them. Nice. Um, the second one, obviously, is not as good as the first mm. one. But it was... I enjoyed it. I think that's streaming. I think they're all... all of them are so, they're all in somewhere. different places, I think. I know some of them yeah. are on HBO Go. I think some of them might be on um, Amazon, maybe? Yeah, like, they're all scattered, but they're available. Yeah, but they're around. We definitely streamed it. Um, oh, I We watched a, a Denzel movie called Out of Time. You know this movie? I vaguely got all of his titles sound similar. Out of time. I know. Unstoppable. I, I know. Well, I, they really are. I had to for a second think about what this movie was. <laughs> um, it's like a cop movie, and I think they're in Florida. They're, they're in some tropically, not tropical, but like a hotter climate. And uh, it's, it's really interesting, and he gets like, um, what's that thing framed for a mm. crime that he didn't commit? His performance in it is bananas, and I don't know if you were. I I don't know if you would like it, but I kind of want to talk about it. Okay, because we can cover it one day. We should do a Denzel double feature oh, of totally Out of should. Time and Deja Vu, two fucking movies that shock every time I watch them. I always forget what they're actually about. I'm like, oh, all right, Deja Vu. Deja Vu is about time travel. Um, <laughs> that movie. Um. I got talked into seeing Mission Impossible 6. Okay. The new one. I didn't want to be that guy. I don't... Like, I don't... Henry Cavill can take a flying leap at this point. Um, don't care for him. Don't care for Tom Cruise. Uh, but I was with a group of people, and they were all jazzed. So I was like, ugh, I'll go see it. It's a lot of fun. But yeah. also stars Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, the saving grace is Ving Rhames. I'm really there for Ving. Nice. Um, so, I don't know. It's like it's good, but like I have moral objections. Sure, fair. Have you seen all of them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where does this one rank um, for you? Multiple times. Oh, it's one of the better ones. Okay, for sure. 
cool. The first one is obviously the best one because that is the De Palma one, and it's great and awesome and bizarre. But this one is probably the one of the better paced ones. Okay. And the action and it's really good. I didn't like the last one at all. I'm sure there's an episode of me saying terrible things about it. Um, and that's the one that I think one, people really uh, love, right? Yeah. I, I well, go, people really liked Ghost Protocol, which was right. That was the fourth one. Five is the one I can never remember the name of, and this is Fallout. Right. Uh, there were some, like, twists and dipsy doodles in it, like, okay. ooh, look what we did! <laughs> and I was like, whatever. But, I don't know. If you're into watching these movies, this is obviously a very good... Sure. Um, yeah, I've only ever seen the third one, so... <laughs> the third one's not bad! It's fun. I mean, it, it was what I expected it to be, and that was fine, but... It's the second one that I have a problem with. Yeah, um, I saw bits of the second one. Me and everybody else. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> I'm not really breaking any ground there. Um, went to the theater when I was in Austin, which is what you do when you're away. <laughs> well, it's what you do when place. you're in a hot place and need air conditioning. Yeah. Went to see Black Klansman. Oh, uh, I'm, I haven't seen it, but I'm very curious. What'd you think? Oh, I loved it so much. Nice. Um, it's so good. You know that guy is Denzel Washington's kid? I didn't That's know right. That. Oh boy, now you have a, n- a whole other generation to moon over. I know, it transcends generations. That's exciting. And he didn't sound like Denzel at all in the movie, but we watched an interview with him, and it was like, if you closed your eyes, you could you hear know. hints nice. of that same cadence, and I was like, oh so man. We have like another 50 years of, of this yes. happening now. Very good. It's really, really good, and I watched it in an audience with an audience in Texas that clapped at the end. Wow, nice, very nice. Um, and Adam Driver's Mad Hot, but that's it. Moving on. <laughs> um, Zach made me watch a movie called Den of Thieves. I didn't really like it. Um, it's some heist movie with a big t- twist in it. Okay, I don't know it. Um, we, yeah, I don't know. Tag. That movie about tag. <laughs> you know that oh, movie? kind of. I remember because I don't really understand what tag is, but I know that it's, it's a thing you know people I, do. You've never played tag? Well, I've played like freeze tag. Is that it, or isn't yeah. it like some like? But I thought it's like some modern thing that the youth of today does, and they believe cyberbully kids about it. I sound so old right now. You, you no, this is literally like tag, like in the playground. Oh wait, this is the one with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. So, like, it's just grown-ups just playing blew, freeze tag? just blew my fucking mind right <laughs> no, now. No, I thought this was, like, a weird thing that kids did. Like, like no, Snapchat it's just or something. I'm really old. No. Did you just create a new app? <laughs> I think I created a movement, Christine. Oh, no. Okay, well, it, this is not that, although I would like to hear more about your thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work on a plan. <laughs> and get some kind of social um, media strategist under the age of 18. That was amazing. (laughs) No, it's just tag, like where people tag and then you're it. Oh, okay. It's it's based on a true story, which I know you love. (laughs) So in other words, nobody dies. It's based on a true story. Aliens don't show up. No, and it's about this group of adults who have been playing tag for 30 years. And they want to tag this one guy who happens to be Jeremy Renner. Okay, it's a really that's good cast. literally the movie. It is. I didn't like it at okay. all. Okay. Um, this is not streaming, and if it was, it would be my recommend. Um, Life of the Party. Oh, this uh, is the Melissa McCarthy one. 
I didn't realize people hated this movie. Yeah, it was. I I like cried during it. I loved it. It's funny because I think Unmarried with Clickers, I think they were just talking about it. And I think they, they liked it. it. Oh, good. And then I was seeing, saw like somebody on Facebook post something where they were talking about how much they hated it. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And I was like, oh, I was like, I, I wonder what it really is. And so you yes. really liked it. I guess if it's not for you, it's not for you. I really liked it. I thought it was funny. It didn't, again, it didn't do, like we talked about with Spy, it didn't do any like Melissa McCarthy's it's fat that, and old yeah, jokes. Yeah. Nice. Like she, I think she's so funny. I never realized such a super fan of her. Um, it, I liked it a lot. Um, last one saw the Meg in the theater. All right, I want to hear. Saw it with them vibrating seats. Ooh, you did 4D or just I, um, it it wasn't 4D, oh, but it was Dolby. That would probably but, be such a good 4D movie. I'm, I think it would. Will we? We everybody knows about Movie Pass, so we um, canceled Movie Pass. <laughs> okay, and we got AMC Stubs, and the AMC theater near us has like a Dolby thing, which has a really great screen, but also like the speakers are like in the chair, yeah, so it yeah. like vibrates the whole seat. Um, that was the best part. I did not like that movie. Okay, uh, uh, why not? Was it not? Was it because I mean they're kind of selling it as like dumb fun, kind of Jurassic World esque, if you will. Was it just not that for you, or you just didn't want that? It, it was. It wasn't fun enough to be dumb fun. I don't think. Um, I you know I like a shark movie. I like sh- the Shallows so much. Me too. I like that Mandy Moore one more than I think anybody else. Certainly that more than me, who did not care for it. I love that movie. So you'd think Home Run Shark. I don't know. It was really mean. It was a mean mm, movie. Interesting. And like, there's. I don't want to spoil it. And but and like people. I don't want also like whatever. I'm the cliche of a person that doesn't eat meat. But like, there was a lot of animal violence in it. Mm. <laughs> kind of like two of the Wes Craven movies we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Like, it's a shark movie. Right. And like sharks kill things in the water and stuff but like i don't know there was like some it was there was a bit of it that was mean-spirited and Mm. i didn't really like it i thought it was just me and then after we got out of the theater zach was like oh it was awful and i was like okay (laughs) he's also a vegan so maybe maybe it's just (laughs) just a a sensitivity thing actually yeah Yeah, i'll get to it eventually but i'm I'm intrigued. I'm happy it's doing well. I will say that because it's the kind of movie I want that like should come out in summer, should get a good audience because I want them to keep making movies like that. It's not part of a franchise. Right. It it looks really good. Um, Cliff, Cliff Curtis. Is that his name? Clifton Uh, Curtis. The guy from Sunshine and The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think that's right. Sounds right enough. Because Clifton Collins is somebody else. Yeah. It's Cliff Curtis. Um, I will see anything that he is in. Sign me up. Yep. I'm there. Um, it was so, <laughs> Except don't watch The Walking Fear the Walking Dead. Don't worry. I already have. I've watched it until he's no longer on it. Okay. So. You, <laughs> you didn't even see, like, the best parts. It's just terrible anyway. But anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I would be curious to think to know what you think mm-hmm. because it might be more up your alley. Yeah, I'm just really intrigued by how well it's doing. Kind of yeah, warms my heart cool. in a way. Yeah, Yeah. All right, hit me. What do you, oh, what do you okay. got? Uh, let's see. TV-wise, I kind of did a lot of TV as of late. Um, caught up with the last season of Orange is the New Black. 
which mm-hmm. I'll say was, I think, a huge improvement over last season. And really, like, I think this was the more consistent season they've had in a while. So the show, to me, is ready to kind of end. It still doesn't understand that, hey, this show should be about Daniel Brooks. Um, but maybe it will next season. It kind of seems like it was moving that direction. So that's good. Uh, and the other TV I wanted to mention to you, because I think you were the one that really repped this, uh, The Ooh. Sinner, season one. Oh, I couldn't finish that. I got couldn't get past that first episode because oh, it no. gave me a panic attack. Oh, no. um, may, well, I feel like maybe the rest of it would continue your panic attack because it's like every episode is very like, uh, are we going to find out? Oh, God. Uh, oh, no. Okay. Step back. Step back. But it's really good. I think you would have really dug, dug it. I was surprised. I didn't remember you not finishing. I just remember you being really into the first episode. Yeah, the first episode was great. Okay. I might... I, I would like to rewatch it because it's streaming now, right? Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix, which is yeah. kind of... I, because it, it, it's funny. I debated, like... Because the new season is on now, and so I just started recording it. But it's one of those cases where I'm like, I wonder, is this a better binge show or a better weekly show? Because it's so much about the mystery. And it's like, you're constantly like, oh, God, they, they leave me hanging with one little carrot at the end of the episode. Now I got to wait a week. Or is it, okay, good, now I can just go to the next one. Um, I don't know, but it, it works well as a streaming show, definitely. So I would recommend mm-hmm. it to you and everyone. It was really good. Oh, um, awesome. Okay, I'll, I'll give it another try. Yeah, yeah you should. Uh, okay, now for the movies. So have... Um, a bit of a trilogy here, if you will. Uh, Brannon had never seen Bridesmaids. I I haven't either. Are you serious? Yeah, he and I have something in common. Well, not anymore, because we, we, <laughs> he rent. Here's the great thing: he rented it from Netflix, and so we watch it on Netflix, and then halfway through, the disc craps out. So then we had to rent the oh, rest no. on Amazon because <laughs> it wasn't streaming anywhere. Yeah, that's probably why I haven't. Yeah, and at that point, like, like we were too like. It was, like, too invested in it to wait for, like, yeah. to figure it out. So, um, I, yeah, I still I, I, I still love this movie. I still think this is a heavily flawed movie. Um, the pacing is out of whack. Doesn't need to be two hours. Or it could have been longer if it took certain... It has these great elements that it doesn't do enough with. It has other elements that it kind of stretches a little bit. All of that aside, it's, it's still really good. And everybody is so good in it. Um, I mean, Melissa McCarthy is great in it and has a scene that just makes me cry every time. And oh. your girlfriend in mine, Rose Byrne, is so fucking good in this. I know. It's the, the cat, it really is my dream cast. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Because uh, I think, again, I think you would probably have some of the same issues as far as, like, it, you know, the pacing just isn't... It, it's not a disciplined film. It kind of falls into that problem that we talk about with a lot of like the R-rated comedies of the Judd Apatow era. Yeah. Where, yeah they yeah. all kind of meander a little bit and do this and that, but it, it's still so good. Um, and Brandon at the end of it, I was like, Oh, so what'd you think? He was like, I didn't realize that it wasn't like, that it was kind of a draw, like that it was so serious. Cause it is like, mm-hmm. it treats aside from like, yes, there's like crazy poop jokes and everything, but it also is treating you know, its main character and its main relationships as, you know, real people with really big problems. So mm-hmm. it's good. I, I would be so curious to hear what you think of it, having not seen it now at this point after it's kind of bred this whole other, you know, world of movies. So, yeah, Zach um, can't believe I haven't seen it either. And we talk about watching it every so often. So maybe next time it, I'll push for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, and then again, kind of like 
of the same genre, if you will, uh, I watched your recommend. I watched this because you recommended it, and that was Blockers. No. Oh, okay. What did you think? It was delightful. It was really enjoyable. Um, and interesting in that, I think you had said this, like, it did feel more disciplined. Like, it is, like, it's, what, 90 minutes? It doesn't kind of um, let things just play out improv-wise. Like, it's it's much tighter, I guess, than a lot of its ilk. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just enjoyable. And, and had a very kind of positive... Because there, I remember when I first saw the trailers for it, I was like, oh, God, this just sounds really infuriating in many ways of like oh i don't want my daughter to have sex but the movie totally is like a joke on that and is doesn't let it's like it's it doesn't accept that the characters do that it judges them for it or makes them confront that and ultimately like yeah it is their daughter's choice so yeah i like the progressiveness of it and then i agree oh yeah i will point out i will point out that and, and i did think of this when i was watching it i don't think i said it on when I discussed it on a previous episode, but there, it has been pointed out that there is a bit of a lack of consent for the male character. She just assumes that he's going to want to have sex with her. Right. Um, and, and I, I did find that a little troubling when I saw it and, and when other people with, started mentioning it, I was like, with um, which, um, with all three of them or with one of the girls in particular specifically, I believe it's the, with, um, John Cena's daughter. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I thought, yes, I feel like, because the way that happens is kind of, she's saying to him, like, oh, yeah, so I'm going to have sex with you tonight, and he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, maybe. I kind of took it more as him being like, yeah, we don't have to do this, like, I'm not, you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's how I took it, too, but it definitely entered my head, like, that it was going in that direction, and then when I saw people start tweeting about it, I was like, oh, boy. So I guess yeah. I was I, I, maybe other people picked up on that too. I just like it's a it's a slippery slope. Everyone, sure. <laughs> a saying that I actually hate, but um, <laughs> it's just I, I agree with you. I think that while it might not have been executed perfectly, the progressiveness of the message was really yes, appreciated. This was positive. I'm glad uh, you liked it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And then the other movie of that trio, if you will, I mean loosely related, uh, we watched Trainwreck, which is. Which is, no, this is when, this is all confusing. Because Bridesmaids is directed by Paul Feig. Blockers yep. is directed by a woman whose name I can't remember. Yep. Both of which are produced by Judd Apatow. And then Trainwreck is actually directed by Judd Apatow, which we didn't realize yes. until the end. Um, so we watched Trainwreck. That's the other movie we watched. Um, and this was, this was, I enjoyed this. And I know it, when it kind of came out, got like some, some hate. I think a lot of people just really don't like Amy Schumer. Um, yeah. I think the way this was sold was very much like, oh, she lives like a man and parties hard, but then, like, true love changes her around or something. And so I kind of, for a while, wasn't into watching it because I thought, like, oh, it's going to end with her, like, changing who she is. But it's really not Mm -hmm. that at all. Like, she is a certain, lives her life a certain way, but, like, isn't happy in the movie it you know like isn't i don't think it's coming at it from any kind of like patriarchal judgment yeah. it's really more like no she kind of comes to certain decisions because of certain ways she decides to live her life differently and so on um but overall i found this fun it was funny i laughed it was sweet um you know the, a lot of the romance stuff worked for me tilda swinton mm-hmm. is in it and she's amazing yep i do remember that John um Cena well, is also in this in... one yeah yeah he what's his face is in it um, um uh lebron kevin James. from Kevin from We Need to Talk About Kevin. Kevin from 
yes, Kevin is in this. And it's great because it's, um, it's Ezra Miller and Tilda Swinton. Oh, that's scenes together. And it's like, oh, you guys have a very I... different movie this time. Um, we saw it in the theater when it came out. I don't remember it, uh, really. And I liked Amy Schumer at the time. I have since changed my opinion a bit. Um, but I don't know if that would... I did enjoy it, so I don't think that would change my enjoyment sure, of it. Sure. But... Okay. That was a fun little uh, trio of movies. Yeah, yeah, just odd. And it wasn't, like, intentional. It just kind of happened that way. Um, all right, let's see what else we've got. Uh, because of your recommendation, I... See, I listen to you so much. You do. I, I watched on Netflix Instant, Pandorum. Oh, yeah. What a fucking weird movie. Right? <laughs> it's a really weird. Just... And apparently it has this, like, crazy story to the screen of it was a expect script that then got merged with another script and it was filmed like independently and they had to raise all this money for it and all this stuff and it's it like I mean it looks great like I would never have guessed that it was not a decent budgeted film but it was filmed in like a bunch of countries because they couldn't get funding for it um yeah it it was good I liked it I liked you know kind of like I like kind of the tough broad in it um Mm -hmm. the some of the kind of twists I I feel like I saw coming, but it didn't take anything oh, away. It was oh, just like, the, oh, right? What about the, the, the what's-his-face? Um, God, Dennis Quaid. What about the Dennis Quaid twist? That's you, the one. Did you see that no, one? No, honestly, I kind of, that's the one that I did see coming. Yeah. Really? I saw, I, that one came on me like a freight train. I was like, oh, this is what they're doing here, huh? Well, I think <laughs> part of it was I recognized... There, there was something like where I kind of recognized an actor, and I was like, "Oh, something, something in my head means something." Um, and then, as stuff started to happen, like it, this is a movie too, where it, it you very much like feel like, "Oh, there's a close-up of something. I should look at that because I bet that means yeah. something." So then I just started, and even if I didn't have all the pieces, I was like, "Oh, but because they did a close-up of that, that probably means this." Yep. So the the thing that I actually didn't fully understand was. Well, not that I didn't understand. Like, the the big twist, like, the final twist was cool. I like that. Um, I didn't... It, it really made those escape pods make more sense, huh? Oh, completely, yeah. Because when they showed those escape pods, I was like, fuck you, movie. And then, <laughs> I was, and then, and then it became, like, a thing, and I was like, oh, right. oh yeah. <laughs> the, well, the other, the part where, I guess one of the characters, the fact that you're not supposed to know how in control of his mind he is. Yeah. I don't know that I got that. Like, I think I kind of trusted. I, I didn't get madness from one of the characters, and I don't know no, if I was supposed to or not. No, I think I think I felt the same way. I'm I'm not sure if I said it, but like it it had too many threads. It was trying Very to do much. too many things. Oh, it totally did. Yeah. And because of that, you lost some of the the stuff. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things. Like you lose that unreliable yep. narrator. Yeah, you don't know even know that you have one. Because yes. you're just not yeah. thinking that you need to have one at that point. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it should have either been like cut, like 90 minutes where they kind of cut out some of the complexity or it should have been a two and a half hour epic. Yep. And like, but but that aside, like it's neither of those things and as a result it's messy, but it was fun. So if you're like, if you want sci-fi horror, I think it's like a fun kind of hidden uh, cubic zirconium, if you will, in the rough. Yes. <laughs> All right, the next one. I'm so curious if you've ever seen this uh, on H. I found this on HBO Go. They have a lot of '90s sexy time thrillers, which is like they one do. of my favorite things in the world. And this one, I think, is '92. It is The Temp. 
Shit, that sounds familiar, but that doesn't mean I've seen it. Okay. Who is in this movie? Oh, God, everyone. So, Timothy Hutton uh, works at... Um, okay, I'm, I'm gonna... I, I gotta build this for you. So, Timothy Hutton <laughs> is like... Kind you know, had some problems with his wife, played by Maura Tierney. And so he's like, but he's really focused on his career. His boss is Faye Dunaway. Oh, I definitely have not seen Okay. Her. And um, his, like, friend who's not his co- who's, like, kind of a competitor is Stephen Weber. Uh, with <laughs> you know full how 90s Stephen, Stephen Weber, Weber hair. And so what yep. happens is his assistant goes on paternity leave. So he gets the titular temp played by... Laura Flynn Boyle, who, of course, is sexy, but also really fucking good at her job. So good that within, like, two weeks, she's suddenly his equal at the company. And is she trying to sabotage him? Is she in love with him? Is he just fucking up? Is somebody else doing this? I don't know. Neither does the movie, because the movie clearly didn't make up its mind until the week before it opened. Um, So one of the best things about this movie aside from how 90s it is, is that, like, all of this corporate intrigue and backstabbing, do you know what kind of company this is set in? No. Like, what would you think? Like, what, 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 uh... Like, like a law firm or, like, an ad agency, maybe? Yeah, no. Um, the company in question is a cookie company. They make cookies. Shut up. Which means that you have scenes... You have scenes of Faye Dunaway saying things like, I'm not gonna let them beat me in the cookie game. And just talking about cookies a lot in, like, a really super... Like, Faye Dunaway is doing network, but about cookies. But why did they decide to do that? Well, here maybe here's why. Because apparently in the original ending, it was supposed to be like a Child's Play 2-esque ending where it ends <gasps> with a ma- with like a, with a chase and like brutal fight in a cookie factory where one of the characters oh. was supposed to get like dipped into the sugar machine. And then they scrapped it like a week before opening. And as a result, like it, the movie ends, like they reveal a twist and you're like, oh, that it's that person. And then they undo it in the most anticlimactic way and they're like no it's this person and we're not really gonna punish them and then the movie ends and you're like but wait if it was this person how did that happen it has so many plot holes because they so clearly kept rewriting it and like kept changing according to audience um Mm -hmm. like test audiences and everything so it is such a mess but it's one of those delightful 90s messes uh that i'd kind of recommend watching because it's so dated and like you know, of course, like sexual harassment is a joke and all of this, and you should of watch course. it. You would love it. It's on HBO I could, Go. I could see watching that. Yeah, you should. You just should. Uh, so the next movie I watched, um, again, this, I don't know that you've ever recommended this, but you have certainly recommended this subgenre, and that subgenre being Ashley Judd, uh, <laughs> you know, investigating something um, and having favorite a black man as her mentor. Now... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this one. I assume you've seen all of them, but I think there's a lot of them, so maybe you haven't. Twisted? No, I've never seen that movie. Oh my goodness. Uh, Isn't it really long? It's No, it probably should have been, because it's, like, not... Oh. Maybe I'm getting it confused with something else, then. So, I'm going to look it up on it. Okay, yeah, this is the one where Ashley Judd's a cop, mm-hmm. and, like, but she's kind of, like, a mess of it. Like, she's a really good cop. But, you know, her personal life is a mess because her dad was a cop and he killed himself and went on a killing spree when she was a kid. So Wait, she's I got think that. I have seen this. And then Samuel L. Jackson it was was his partner and he raises her to be a good cop because he's a cop. 
And then <laughs> she ends up getting teamed up with Andy Garcia as yes, a partner. Yes, yes, I have hundred hundred percent have seen it. 100% oh my god, seen it. So, so what do you think of this movie? Um, I think I remember it being kind of like batshit, but I don't know if I liked it or not. I don't know if I did either. I love her. <laughs> I will say, like, it did make me want to go to you and say, like, okay, so what other Ashley Judd movies of these, like, which are the good ones? Because Ugh. she's so likable. Like, it's not like she's likable. It's that she's so, wh- like, what's the word? Like, I I love watching her. Um, yes, I like watching her, too. And, like, I've seen her in other things. Like, and I've seen her give genuinely great performances, like in Bug. But in this one, it was like, okay, this is kind of a trashy movie, but she, like, I am glued to the screen watching her because she is so charismatic on screen. Yeah. Um, and, like, the movie, it's do- it's doing some weird things. It's directed by Philip, Philip Kaufman, who did, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and a lot of other very good movies. Mm-hmm. It oh does, yeah it's like, it's so weird because mark pellegrino and the yes, other dude from lost are yes both in yes it. yes and it's jacob and the man in black or whoever yeah. in white whatever they were and it does like almost interesting things because the whole the whole twist not twist but the whole plot is that somebody is going around murdering men that she has slept with Yes, yes, and her whole and her thing hair is that she's weird, kind really of an alcoholic. Yeah, she's got that like short yeah. little pixie wig. She's an alcoholic. She's kind of an alcoholic, but a functioning one. And you know, she goes out to bars and just has like rough sex with with kind of trashy guys, and she doesn't know their names. Like it's just kind of how she lives. And it's like an interesting thing where the like whether the movie is judging her for it or not, because it like the men in the movie are. But you feel like they're making a a point for us to be like, no, but fuck that. She's just doing what she wants to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But then, like, I don't know. I just don't know. I think I was overthinking it. Because then you get to a certain point, you're like, so who's the killer? Well, it's got to be, it can only be this person, right? And it is. So I'm looking at pictures of it. Do her, does she and Andy Garcia have like a really rushed relationship in it? Um, well, he's her partner. So like there's immediate chemistry because he's a man and she's a woman and it's a movie. Uh, <laughs> they like, but it kind of takes it like, I mean, yes, it's rushed because there's no way they would like really form that connection, but it doesn't like, they're not in bed together at any point in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. That was a weird one. It's not very good, but I'm glad we got to talk about it. <laughs> um, all right, a few more. On HBO Go, I finally found a movie I'd been looking for for a long time, which was 1980, I think, The Turning Point, with Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft. This is whenever people talk about like the great ballet movies, they talk about mm-hmm. The Red Shoes and they talk about The Turning Point, and I had never seen The Turning Point, and I like ballet movies, so... Uh, Shirley MacLaine is a 40-something former ballerina who, when she was right in her prime, got pregnant and decided to have her children and gave up ballet. Uh, Her daughter is now becoming a ballerina, and Anne Bancroft was Shirley MacLaine's best friend slash rival back in the day, and Anne Bancroft has continued dancing and is sort of at the end of her career, but sort of had the life that Shirley MacLaine wonders if she should have had, that kind of thing. Uh, Mikhail, a young Mikhail Baryshnikov is in this as well. Oh, fun. Uh, it's, I mean, I like this. I don't know that you might actually, I mean, there is a, a fair amount of ballet in it. Um, and, and when it's ballet, like sometimes it's just a performance, you know, like three minute performance. And they'll even give like a title card of who's dancing and what ballet it's from. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very much about dancers. Anne Bancroft and Shirley MacLaine are fantastic and it's fun to watch them. Uh, it's also very like late 70s New York City. Oh, that's fun. Which is always fun. So, you know, like there's a, like a scene where they film on top of Lincoln Center and just all of that stuff just kind of really worked for me. Uh, probably only worth it if you're like a ballet completist uh, or a big fan of those actresses, I think, or, or movies about that sort of like lost dream-esque thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it. I was glad I watched it. Um, all right, just a few more. One movie that I'm pretty sure you would hate uh, on <laughs> Netflix. This is a musical, and it is The Last Five Years with Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan. I probably would hate it. I think you would. It is based on a stage musical that was off-Broadway, never came to Broadway, but was very, well, like, pretty well-known, and I, I've listened to it and heard all the music to it. Uh, this is uh, Anna Kendrick, who is a national treasure and wonderful and should always do musicals and the what this movie based on the show is is it's about these you know two young people who marry and fall in love and then break up and get divorced only the way it's told is that it's sort of and on stage it's alternating female comes out and sings a song male comes out and sings a song and it alternates where her story is basically starting from the end of the relationship and going back so at the beginning of the movie, she is singing about the end of the relationship. Um, by the end of it, she is at the start of it, whereas he is doing it chronologically the other way. Uh, it works better on stage than it does on film, I think. Mm-hmm. But if you're a musical fan, it's certainly worth watching. Anna Kendrick is is great in it. Jeremy Jordan can sing really well. He's a you know Broadway guy. But the problem is that it is so lopsided as far as where your sympathies go. Because this was somewhat true of the stage show, but it's so much worse on screen with these two actors being in these parts, is that your heart goes out to Anna Kendrick so hard that whenever uh, Jeremy Jordan comes on to sing, he's such an asshole. And I don't know how the film didn't understand how much of an asshole he was coming across as, because it just makes it unpleasant because you're just watching, you know, this woman be torn apart and then you're watching this asshole kind of succeed in spite mm-hmm. of it or because of it. Um, so it's problematic in that sense. But musical fans, I'm curious if any of you have opinions on that. Uh, okay. On, I think this was on HBO Go, we watched, because Brandon is a big fan of it, uh, we watched Fletch Lives, the sequel to Fletch with Chevy mm-hmm. Chase. Um, it's it's the rare case. It happens a lot when I show my husband a movie, is that... <laughs> Uh, the movie ends, and I turn to him excitedly, and I say, what'd you think? And he looks at me and goes, oh, I didn't really know. Or I say, do you like it? And he goes, no. <laughs> and this was a rare case where the movie ended, and he got to turn to me and say, did you enjoy it? And I said, oh, no. Um, oh. I don't know, Isn't that a seen... nice feeling? No, I know. And I, like, I felt so bad, because I'm like, oh, this is what you feel whenever I show you a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like 90% of the time when I show you a movie. Um, have you ever seen these, the Fletch movies? No, I okay. don't really think they're for me. They are not for you. No, um, I think I said this when we t- when we talked about Three Amigos. One of the problems with watching Chevy Chase today is that we know what a jerk he is. So when he kind of plays a jerk, but it's supposed to be charming, it's just really hard to watch it and not just think, "But you're just a jerk." Mm-hmm. And that's really true of this movie. Um, although one funny thing that happened in it was. At one point, uh, he goes to a biker bar, 
And Brannon pauses it and looks at me jokingly and says, like, so do you think that was the same bar that they used in uh, TV's Big Adventure? And I look That's at the IMDb. The second you said that, I thought that. Oh, yeah. So I look at the IMDb trivia after, and the very first line item is, bar, same bar is used in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So, fun fact about Fletch Lives. Uh, okay, just three more. One, all, or no, not all. on. Uh, okay, one is on Amazon Prime. We, um, I'd had it on my queue for a while. Uh, meant to watch it, mostly because it stars a certain actor that I will watch anything in, watch do anything in anyone, what, in any movie. Uh, and that is Elvis Nixon with Michael Shannon. Oh, yeah, I've never, I've always wanted to see it, and I haven't. Um, it's, it's fine for, uh, I think it's 80 minutes, and it's really stretching to make those 80 minutes. I don't fully understand why they structured it as they did. Apparently, mm-hmm. Carrie Elwes is one of the screenwriters. That's interesting and yes. unexpected. Uh, and, you know, we can all say what we want about Kevin Spacey, and yes, you know, apparently very problematic human being, but he's, but it is not hard to deny that he is a still a great actor, and he's very good in this as Nixon. He's very funny. Um, Michael Shannon is fun as Elvis. He doesn't look anything like Elvis and doesn't really ever make you think he's Elvis, but mm-hmm. he's still fun to watch, so there's that. The problem with this movie, aside from it didn't really have enough meat to be a full movie, is that it does that thing that so many of these movies do, where they think, oh, you know, we're telling this, like, pretty pretty wacky story about very big characters, right? About Elvis and Nixon. These are mm-hmm, big personalities. Mm-hmm. So you know what we have to do? We have to give our audience an in so that they can understand what's happening from a more normal person's point of view. And so they have a character played by, um, I think it's Alex Pettifer, who's always terrible in movies. He was also in Magic Mike. He's the, um, he's like the guy the movie's about, and he's also the least oh, yeah, interesting yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. in it. Yep. Like, he's always playing the least interesting thing in movies. Yep. And so he's sort of Elvis's assistant, and it's like, oh, he's got all this conflict, because he's going to propose to his girlfriend, but now he can't, because Elvis is staying in Washington late. And it's like, boy, do I not care about that. <laughs> boy, do I just want to see Elvis and Nixon, or... You know, or you have told a different story about that. So it was just a weirdly structured movie. I don't ultimately like it had more problems than benefits, I guess, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like I'm not mad that I watched it. Like it was entertaining, but it was just highly flawed, I guess. Oh, interesting. Well, you didn't really sell me on it. I'm sorry. I mean, again, if you want to okay. watch Kevin Spacey do a pretty good Nixon impression, this is yeah. the way to do it. Uh, okay, and then on the Netflix disc, I rented because I was trying to remember why I rented this movie and then I remembered I had read um, one I think I talked about it when we did Gun Crazy uh, that I'd read a book of like different female filmmakers analyzing some of the films they made in the 90s mm-hmm. and one of them was CB4 directed by Tamara Davis okay so this was Chris Rock um, it's a it's, I don't know that it was an SNL spinoff movie but it's like a lot of SNL people. So Phil Hartman's in it. Chris Rock is in it. Um, Eddie Murphy's brother, who also wrote Rumfire in Brooklyn, is in it. A uh, bunch of other people. This is about a, a sort of a mockumentary, a, kind of. At times it's a mockumentary. At times it's a movie. One of the many problems this movie has. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a group of like young basically it's about a rap group who sell themselves as the like the Wu-Tang clan kind of like we're really rough we're this but but then you find out they've actually they were all like middle class kids that kind of stole the identity of gangsters in their neighborhood who went to jail 
So it's like really they're not at all as tough as their personas are. Uh, this really wasn't good. It had moments it could have been good if it probably had a script, but it feels like it sometimes had a script and sometimes mm-hmm. didn't. Um, so if anybody was curious to watch it, don't like work hard to do it. Just that's that. Uh, and then the last movie was a recommend from our dear friend uh, James of James and Angela. I believe they both mm-hmm. did this. It was on Amazon Prime. It's a little movie called Deadly Daycare. Ugh. I saw you guys talking about this, I think. <laughs> and were you like, I feel so left out. I should watch this movie because it sounds no. like so much fun. I was like, I'm glad that I can just read this and not have to subject <laughs> myself to it. I mean, it's a Lifetime movie. It's a pure Lifetime movie about beautiful white people with amazing hair. And I don't know where they find the time to do their hair so amazingly, but they do. Uh, and it's one of those great Lifetime movies where... Like it, the whole so many of these movies rest on their villain, and yeah. in this case, the villain is Christy Carlson Romano from um, who's was, not was she iCarly or like she's one of she was like a Disney kid, like she was in a bunch of Disney shows and she does the voice of Kim Possible, maybe that's it, like one of those okay. Disney shows that everybody loves, and so like she's very like just like perky Disney girl, and in this case, she's crazy because see, Christine, what happened in this movie? Uh, oh no! Yeah, so Christy Cross Romano um, uh, lost her child in a car accident. She had like a two-year-old, and her husband was paralyzed in this accident. And the accident was caused by Detective Wilden from Pretty Little Liars, and he was driving his wife, who was pregnant at the time. So, a couple of years pass, and you know, pregnant wife with amazing hair is fine, and. Uh, has to put her daughter in daycare and what do you know guess who's the teacher at this daycare who do you really don't do you want to guess like do you want to take a guess no i don't i don't know okay blowing your mind right now it's christy carlson romano oh well geez i guess i should have seen that coming and like when she realized that she's like oh fuck you bitch you like your husband drove us off the road killed my baby paralyzed my husband made it impossible for me to have for him to give me another baby you know what i'm gonna fucking take your baby and the movie is about her trying to take her baby but the challenge of this movie is that all of your sympathies really kind of go to christy carlson romano because that fucking sucks and so it's kind of hard to, like, know where... Because then the movie ends and it's one of those cases where you're like, okay, the real villain of this movie was Detective Wilden, who is not, like, ends up far happier than he was at the start of the movie. And that's a problem. But that being yeah. said, it was still a fun watch. So I still recommend it. It's on Netflix. You should go do Oh, that. I don't... I don't know, man. I don't know if I can bring myself you to do it. You can trade one Ashley Judd in peril movie for Deadly Daycare. I don't know about, about that. that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was my list. Um, that was an amazing list. <laughs> uh, many of those belong. Will you will see them on the next AFI, like when they do their next induction into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, look out for them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, on that note, do you? Which uh, we're gonna delve deep into Wes Craven. Where do you want to go first? Chronological. Um. Well, I feel like we're gonna have more to say about one than the other. Does Does it matter to you where we put it? Um. Yeah, do you want to? So, in other words, do you want to do Vampire in Brooklyn first? Yeah. Okay. Kind let's, of. Let's, let's get that one out of the way. We'll be back. <laughs> A world of its own. A 
the streets where we played The friends on every corner were the best we ever made The backyards and the schoolyards and the trees that watched us grow The days of love when dinner time was all you had to know Just over the Brooklyn Bridge That will always be home to me It'll So in 1995, a lot of things happened. Basically, Eddie Murphy wanted decided he wanted to make a Nutty Professor movie and play a bunch of parts. Uh, and the only way he could do that was if um, he... Worked with Paramount to make Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one part of how that happened. I don't really know how the rest of this happened. I think Eddie Murphy's brother was like, hey, let's make, let's write a movie about a vampire in Brooklyn. And everybody was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then nobody um, thought it was a great idea to read the script and fix things. But Vampire mm. in Brooklyn, Christine, tell me about yes. the plot. Well, there's not much. Um, Eddie Murphy, who I will be referring to only by Eddie Murphy um, for the entirety of this review. What about Guido? Um, Don't forget that character. Oh, fucking fuck. So, Eddie Murphy is a vampire. I guess he's the last vampire. Um, And then, so he, he needs to go and find a lady that's a half vampire and she's in Brooklyn. There are shades of this that are very much like coming to America. Um, <laughs> You're very right about that. Um, which is a better movie. Which I think is, that goes well, without saying. It's a better movie than most movies ever made, but... Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you're like, if you have two discs in your hand and one is this <laughs> and one is coming to America, just stop right there. Yes, Light this one on fire. Yes, take this um, one and floss your teeth with it and then watch Coming to America. Yes. Yeah, throw it into traffic. Um, so he oh, needs to no, find... No, no. no, don't let this movie be the reason somebody dies because it already well, was. Like, A stunt person go, died <laughs> making this movie. How tragic is that? Are you kidding me? Yeah, how awful. Oh, no, how awful. awful. Like of all the like, I mean, it's always very sad when a stunt person dies. It's Nobody should die doing their job. But for Vampire in Brooklyn? Just place this DVD in the middle of the road and hope someone drives on top of it and cracks it. Yeah. So he goes to Brooklyn to find a half lady vampire and he's got to like seduce her or something. I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know what the goal was other than to find her, which happens very quickly, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's, his his half vampire dar is very, very working well. Just immediately, boom. Um, And then hilarity ensues. (laughs) Uh, You're funny. Um, it, it's about, it's all about, so it's Angela Bassett, who I will refer to as Angela Bassett for the remainder of this Reasonable. review, who, who is like, honestly, a bright spot in this movie. Yeah. So she's the half vampire and it's he, like her, like under his thrall, but not really. And like, 
what's going on and Eddie Murphy's killing people or whatever and tricking her and being other people and uh, then there's a whole thing and the end happens and then some other guy is <laughs> a vampire. Um, twist. Sorry. Spoiler. I spoil vampire in Brooklyn for you. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it's this is we, we say we've said this about movies, but it's really true about this one where I have no idea who why this movie was made or who it was made for. No clue who this was made for. What am I supposed to get? Am I supposed to be laughing in this movie? Am I supposed to be scared in this movie? Am I supposed to be turned on in this movie? I don't know, and neither does the movie in any way. It's, it's not scary. No. There was there's some that of moment. the effects. Some of the makeup I think is pretty good. I don't know if it belonged in this movie. Um, some of the so Kadeem Hardison is like the Renfield character. Like, you know how Dracula uh-huh. has Renfield? Um, I wasn't explaining that to you. I was explaining it to no one, really. <laughs> I was wondering. I'm like, Christine, I know about Dracula. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was explaining it to no one in particular. I just felt the need to continue you, you to You were vamp-splaining, it. Christine. <laughs> I don't know to who, though. <laughs> just to hear myself talk. I think I understand mansplaining now. Um, so... <laughs> It's Kadeem Hardison, and he gets turned into, like, a ghoul, and he eats bugs, and his limbs are falling apart. That whole thing should have been funnier. It should have been why, funny. Why would... Well, there was a couple times I went, huh. Like, I, I acknowledged humor. I don't know if I laughed, <laughs> but it registered. Um, that should... It should have been funny. That could have been amazing. It could have been something, yeah. Because the makeup's and, good. Yeah, the makeup's not bad at all. It's not the makeup's fault. And and Kadeem's not bad at all. It's just everything keeps falling flat. Well, it's one of the things about this. I don't think anybody is necessarily ba- like giving a bad performance. It's that everybody is gi- is in a different movie. And, and it goes from yep. one, within a same scene. Like poor Angela Bassett, who we know is a goddess. Like everybody has agreed. Angela Bassett can kind of do no wrong. And in this, like... She is given clear, like, you just wonder what the direction was for her. Was it like, okay, you're going to play this, like, you're the serious one in this movie. Or is it like, no, you're kind of in on, you know, like, she, I mean, she's doing her damnedest, but this movie's doing her no favors. It's doing Eddie Murphy clearly, and I think with this, part of it was like, Eddie Murphy, I think originally, like, he was going to be the villain. He was, it was going to absolutely be like, this is Dracula, Dracula's a bad dude, he is a villain. And there was an interview somewhere I found, I don't know, I can't remember if this was on IMDb or something, but where he talks about how, um, like, Ed, Eddie Murphy wanted to do this, he thought it would be fun, he wanted to be, do something scary, and he thought it would be, like, that he could actually play a bad guy and a villain, mm-hmm. and it was very clear that, like, no, we can't really make you the villain, like, you're Eddie Murphy, we can't totally, like, make you, you know, you still have to do a comedy after this, and so... It's just like, am I rooting for him? I'm not rooting for anybody in this movie because no, you're not the other love interest, right? So she, there's kind of a love triangle. There's Eddie yeah. Murphy who wants to turn her into a vampire, and then there's her partner who's a fucking controlling douchebag. Oh, see, he's the only one I liked. Oh, see, I think he's, I think he's like to a modern on to like me now. I feel like if I watched this in the '90s, I totally would have been like, "Oh yeah, like he's the good guy. This is who she belongs with." But watching it now, I'm like, he's really controlling of her. He's really judgmental of her. Like he seems very like 
And plus, I also always have a thing, like, I can't stand how every movie about a male and female working together turns into it's because they're yeah. in love. Uh, and this one totally does that. But, like, it just, it felt very much to me like, I do not want her to end up with this guy. I'd rather have her end up with the vampire, but... Oh, I didn't necessarily even take, like, I knew he was, like, into her and stuff, and she was getting, like, bizarrely jealous of her roommate, and I didn't understand that weird. all that, but, like, I liked... I at least understood his motivate. There it is. I understood his motivation, which and is I didn't more than you can say for a lot of characters in the movie. Anybody else's because to to reference back to what you said, you really hit the nail on the head. Angela Bassett, it seems confused. Yeah, like that, and I I don't think that's her fault. I don't no. think. I just don't like I, from scene to scene, you're getting like different yep. tones. So it's it's just very strange and disparate. Oh yeah, and it. And yeah, there are some times where it seems like it's trying to be like straight up comedy, and then other times it's like violent and weird and mean, but like not even like in an effective way. Yeah, it's just like it, you don't know who they're playing to at all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like the opening scene where you have, you know, Eddie Murphy coming in on a boat, and there's, um, Who's the actor is John Witherspoon, who plays kind of like it's like kind of treated very much in this kind of Amos and Andy kind of way, where it's just like he's it's one of those cases where I don't know if I'm watching this thinking like, oh, this feels very stereotypical based on, you know, but me being a white viewer, I don't know if me saying that is putting any judgment on it or if it's or if I'm like wrong. And no, like this is funny, like, but no, it's really bad. Um, Yeah, it's really bad. And one of the thing, like one of the best things that I think says a lot about how you can tell this movie is just nobody was on the same page. Um, an interview he gave with um, the AV Club, where he talks about how like Wes Craven let him ad lib, but then he says, "But the worst thing about ad libbing is that when you shoot it again, you don't remember what you said." So Wes Craven yep. would take notes and tell me what I said, and I'd say, "I said that." So many lines that you say that you forget that you said anything. You're just ad libbing. You're not committing it to memory. So it was kind of difficult working with him because he shot a lot of scenes, you know. Instead of shooting one scene and get the genius of it, he'd shoot it from different angles. So now I got to think about what I said. He'd he'd have a little pencil and he'd write it down. He'd come up to me and say, "I want you to say that again. That was so funny. That was kind of a difficult movie." By the end of it, I just stuck with the script. <laughs> So like you have scenes of improv, and then you have scenes where actors are like, "Fuck it, just what is what is the what is the line? I'll give the line because I don't know what else I'm saying." Yeah, that's 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 weird. Like it kind of explains a lot. And I mean, Wes Craven really didn't do many comedies. Did he yeah. do any comedies? Now I gotta go through. And it's not that you know he he wasn't like i bet Wes craven was probably a funny guy to be around i mean scream has some humor oh yeah, that's elements. true i mean people under the stairs now that i say that i think both of us that was our problem with people under the stairs when we covered it is yeah. that it's it doesn't it, it could have done without the humor or at least the really goofy humor that kind of takes a lot away from how scary a movie it really could have been and in this case, like, I don't I, I, it's, I guess it's one of those cases where they decided they couldn't go too far, so it ends up just being neutered and not mm-hmm. anywhere. Which is really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, because... I mean, imagine if this had been good. Oh, yeah. Could have been really fun. Um, But it's, it, like, it, it's just bad. 
Yeah. Uh, you get, like, I kept the joke, because Brandon kind of, like, watched it over my shoulder as I was watching it. He'd kind of come in and out. And we just randomly pause it and say, like, hey, did you know that Angela Bassett's mother was in a mental asylum? Because they say it 35 times in the movie yep. in such an exposition-y way. Well, I hope I'm not crazy like my mother, who was in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's so much writing like that. Nobody talks like a human being. Um, the So Eddie Murphy does his Eddie Murphy playing other uh, characters thing. Yeah. And, like, you know, on one hand, okay, it, the preacher thing kind of brings a little bit of life to it, because suddenly the Eddie Murphy looks like was, he's into it. That's the funniest thing, because I, that was, like, the only thing I responded positive to, yeah. to at all. And it's, like, you almost can sense Eddie Murphy enjoying that. Yeah. Whereas when he's playing the vampire, he just doesn't know what he's doing, because he doesn't know how sexy or how scary he should be. And then the, the other character he plays is a character named Guido. Oh, boy. Who robs an Italian restaurant. Uh, And the best part about this is, as he's doing it, they play, like, the most Italian music you can play. (laughs) Like, and there's a character that's like, no, my red wine! Like, everything about it is just, like, look, I'm an Italian-American, and I make a lot of Italian jokes, but, like, I was even a little offended watching that scene. Really? I just feel like it was a, a strange choice. It felt like, like a I'm trying to think of like what the age was. I would say like a 13 year old in 1995. Like 13 year old me might have written that scene in 1995. Hey, it would be funny if I wrote an Italian restaurant scene where uh, you know the guy uh, makes jokes about cannolis. Like that's what it felt like. Oh, and he shoots really the cat. So we have two animal deaths in this movie. In the very beginning, like, and this is again when we talk about the tone. So. Like, the cops are trying to figure out what's going on, and there's a cop with a dog, and of course the dog is barking at... Oh, the fucking dog! I completely forgot! And so the dog's barking at Eddie Murphy, because he's a vampire, and Eddie Murphy, like, snaps his fingers or something, and the dog blows up, basically? And flies into the ocean. Was that supposed to be funny? I don't know! It was so strange! Like, if the dog had just, like, run, like, turn and run away and run into the water, it would have been much more effective. Yeah. It was just so, it was so cartoonish that you have to think, oh, that was for a laugh. Right. Except it wasn't fun. And it's so, you're like, okay, is this the tone we're going to have? Because it wasn't the tone five minutes ago. And it's yeah. not the tone five minutes later. And then during the aforementioned um, super Italian robbery, yep. you get, like, I forget who it is, but oh, Guido, I think, accidentally shoots a cat. And again, like, it's really mean and weird and unpleasant and like you see him like you see the cat get shot kind of thing where yeah, it's I one of those I like, might have been I might have been out of the room for a second like like getting a glass of water and I had already gotten to the point where I was like don't pause it I'll be right back because I just wasn't engaged at yeah. all oh yeah no it was this was a painful one I ended up watching it What's really funny was I got mixed up because I thought this was on HBO Go and then I couldn't find it there. I'm like, oh, oh, but it's rentable. It's on demand via the El Rey network. I'll just watch it that way. So it and it, I think it was on Amazon Prime in the end. So I, you know, maybe I lost something in doing it that way. But it like had that same like, OK, I'm watching it like I watched it like a Wednesday night and I never really watch movies on a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So it had this like other feel to it. And it was just like, when is this over? 
I really want to brush my teeth. I really want to floss. Can I floss now? Or is this movie still going on? Oh my god, there's still 45 minutes of this movie left. Yeah, yeah. How much more can we do in 45 minutes? How many more characters can Eddie Murphy play half-heartedly? Oh, yeah, it... It felt really long. I think we had to do it in two settings, Ugh. if memory serves. Yeah. And, like, the shame, like, the other shame is, like, they're, like, Angela Bassett and Eddie Murphy have natural chemistry together. They're both hot people. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are scenes with the two of them where, you're, where like, you're, where, when they don't say anything, where you're like, okay, I'd watch a movie about these two having this really complicated relationship. Does it have to be this movie? And unfortunately, I was the one that picked it, so it, it did. <laughs> so it, it kind of did have it to did. be. Um, do you know, I mean, you know what I meant to do? I meant to really look up, like, the cult around this movie, because I think there are people that really defend it and kind of say, like, oh, no, it was a misunderstood cult classic. Hmm. It, I don't, not for me. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever wrote about it for the magazine? No, I mean, I, I don't. I would like to read somebody def- or hear somebody defend it because I want you to change my mind, change yeah. my mind. But yeah. I, I can't. And I really went into it like very optimistic, and it me did too. take me. I think, like I said, I think we split it in two. I, uh, I was like, okay, well, maybe it'll turn around. Maybe it'll turn around. And by the time we, sh- I think we shut it off with like a half an hour left. I was like, there's no way this is coming back. And Zach was like <laughs> miserable. He's like, this is so bad. <laughs> It yeah, I'm I'm really curious. I will kind of look up and see if if anybody loves this movie. I really want to hear why. Yep. And the same, like I I came because I mean I'm the one that picked it because I I'd heard of it. I remember when it came out, and I have since seen here and there people kind of defend it and say like, oh no, there is something to that movie. And I was really hoping to see that. And I mean, I get like, look, there are very few mainstream big budget studio black comedy horror mm-hmm. like whatever mm-hmm. you want to call this movie like yeah you don't have many of them and like it, it's what i forget where i was reading something recently oh, i think it was um uh it was uh, alexandra west's book on 90s horror films which i can't remember the title of i have it somewhere over here but alexander west who does the faculty of horror podcast which is a great podcast everybody should listen to um wrote a like collection of essays on the 1990s horror teen cycle and okay. she writes in there about scary the scary movie movies come up and it's interesting to really kind of look at them now and say like you know people they were kind of such a um a certain critical audience if you will which is primarily made of white men of a certain age just trash those movies and kind of you know they weren't screened for critics at a certain point mm-hmm. but there's actually a lot to them where hey they're they're kind of clever in some parts and the other part too is like you know what i i'm not a black person watching these movies and i i'm sure there is a different experience in that way where there is representation that you don't get otherwise yeah. and with this like i'm really curious you know was was there something really validating even with it being a bad movie or am i is it a better movie than we're seeing you know if you came to it with kind of a different set of this is what i want the movie to do Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just instead just really unpleasant to watch yeah i i couldn't i wanted to but i couldn't yeah yeah um 
easily for me the most amusing thing about this movie I posted about it on Facebook. So I don't know if you noticed the editor of this movie um, yes. is Patrick Lussier. Yeah, I did notice that. And then I did remember back to your post. Yeah, so Patrick Lussier uh, is a name that some of you might recognize because he directed um, the, the My Bloody Valentine remake, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did something else of interest. Um, he, you know, what's really funny. He did all the Dracula 2000 movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think I knew that. Which are so close to Vampire in Brooklyn in a sense. They're also not very good, but they're a similar story. I mean, obviously because it's Dracula and it's like a sim, like, but at least those kind of understand the tone a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing he did was drive angry. But anyway, I got all excited because I see Patrick Lussier's name. I'm like, oh, let me write that down. So I remember I must have typed it funny on my iPhone because instead that auto corrected itself to ostrich ludite, which is why would it do that? I don't know, but I have no complaints. So now I just watched this movie thinking how much better it would have been if it was directed by ostrich ludite instead of Mm -hmm. Wes Craven. But oh well, instead it was not. Um, So Wes Craven, RIP, but please, I'm glad you only made a few horror comedies, if you will. Because this one didn't come out good at all. No, sadly. Yeah. So, do you have more to say about it? I don't think so. Okay. Quality of film. Uh, five? Oh, you're kinder than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go low. I was going to go 3.75. I just think this is such a... I think the makeup is good, and I think that's it. I just feel like, no, the script is terrible. The acting is all over the place. It looks Mm -hmm. ugly. It feels ugly. Um, I think this is a genuinely below-average movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Quality of life. Um, four. Yeah, um... 3.5 because I really didn't the only thing I'm glad like I'm glad this movie was made I'm glad I finally watched it I will I am not glad about the experience I had while watching it because I hated it yeah yeah it was I felt I wanted it to be over I don't like that feeling I don't like watching something and just like oh is it over is it over is it over it's it's an icky feeling yeah And, and I resent this movie for that yeah no, I'm I am with you. Like there's a lot of different levels and tiers of bad movies. Yeah. And for me the worst kind is always when it is bad and boring. And that's what I yep. always say about that why like when I forget what we were talking about like oh, what are the worst movies we've covered here? And I know we've covered worse movies than this, but Supergirl always comes to my mind first because it was so boring, so boring. and aggressively mediocre and aimed low for a movie that should have that had everything in its corner. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about this one. Like, you have Eddie Murphy. You have Angela Bassett. You have, like, Wes Craven. And you have a decent budget. And yet, you made me miserable for 90 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. A waste of t- it was a waste of time. And that yeah. feels really mean to say. But... It does. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. That was Vampire in Brooklyn. Which, if you're mm-hmm. so inclined, you can watch on Amazon Prime or the El Rey Network. Um, what's funny when you watch it on the El Rey Network 
Uh, it doesn't show commercials, but I think it does like blackouts where there'd be commercial breaks. Or oh, you tell okay. me, does the movie just like instead of going from scene to scene, does it just have like a blackout? Not that I. Can oh, because it kind of felt like yeah, that's about right for this movie. <laughs> that seems like kind of a lazy way to do it, but it sounds right. No, I don't think that that happened. Okay, really. well then maybe I'll bump my grade up to a three point eight eight. Okay. All right. So let's take a break and come back and delve into positive Wes Craven, which is The Hills Have Eyes. Welcome to Brooklyn, glad you could call, happy you found your way. If you feel a little welcome to Brooklyn, don't stand in the hall, enter apartment 5A. How odd to find you here. I just got to and now let us travel back to a simpler time, a time when we didn't have vampires in Brooklyn, plain and simple. 1977, <laughs> The Hills Have Eyes. Christine, give me a synopsis. All right. Well, this movie is about a family who is traveling um, to California and they stop. Or they're going to go buy the silver mine. Look, I don't know. They make a lot of bad choices. <laughs> and they they run off the road because the father's an asshole and there's a bunny and everybody's yelling. And then um, they're stranded out there. But also, guess who's in the hills? People with eyes. What? Um, yeah, so there's people in the hills. And one of them is like some kind of large hairy man that... <laughs> was born onto a father and a wife and he was bad and so his dad dropped him in the hills to die but he didn't die he stole a whore that no one would miss i don't know that he stole her i think he was like hey want to come live in the hills with me and she was like like, yeah sure but like the, the the grandfather worded it super weird and i was just like ugh, i don't like that at all but then they end up having a bunch of kids who they name after planets or gods or however you want to do it, except Ruby, but whatever, we'll get into that. <laughs> and then um, they proceed to terrorize very violently, very violently. this family, um, murder and all that stuff, but it's got a real satisfying ending, everybody. <laughs> um, so my first question to you, when was the first time you saw this? Oh, very late in life. Um, really? I think I might have seen the remake before I saw. Okay. Sure, the remake this. was what two thousand and two. I, I want to say, but I I could be lying. It might not be two thousand and two. It was early in that cycle. The hills have two thousand six. Okay, so not I was I was too early with it. Um, I think I might have seen that first. If I didn't, if I saw this first, I don't remember it. So my actual memory of this movie, I know that you watched it a lot when you were, like, very young. (laughs) My first memory of it was when I was living in Astoria. Um, The first year I was in Queens, the Museum of the Moving Image, this was before it was redone and super Mm -hmm. fancy, they did a summer of horror movies. So I bought a unlimited membership pass thingy so i could go to all of these fucking movies and there was one afternoon where they played the original and the remake back to back and i think that seeing it in the theater is when i fell in love with it yeah Uh, because it was an amazing experience and also there's just huge portions of dialogue lifted from the original and put into the remake yeah and it's a it's one of the better remakes oh yes 
extremely faithful. I mean, where it does deviate kind of sucks. But uh, for the most part, it's super faithful and really good. So I have a, I have a real love of this movie. Yeah. Um, but not as not from as early on mm-hmm, as sure. you. Yeah, no, I think the remake, it, it is. It's often spoken as, like, oh, one of the best remakes. Um, and I agree. Like, I think the remake's really good. Um, the one of the one of the things I love about the remake that they do, which I think is so in this in the original, the dad's an asshole, and you know yes. that the dad is a racist piece of shit, but I he's not. But like I forgot, like they, he never come, he never says things so much in this one. Whereas in the remake, it's Ted Levine, and like they just push that even further, and it's like yeah, because yeah. they don't even have to say that he's a racist in the original, but you just know it because he's this Midwestern retired cop and you just know the type so well. No he's offense to so, Midwestern retired cops. He's so mean yep. and so shitty. And yep. when they're like, when they're lo- like, everybody's like, don't, don't go off road. Don't go off road. And the grandfather, you know, who's that, that cliche or that trope of like Alpha warning you off at, and, yeah. at the gas station. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, don't, don't go over there. And this fu- this motherfucker's like, you know what? Let's go Let's off the go, main yeah. road. Come yeah. on. And then and then he's yelling at the wife and yep. he blames her. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. It made me so angry. And the, and the mother is just such a, t- like, is yeah. so motherly. And I think that's really important to the movie because it yeah. makes, like, what happens to her and how that affects the whole family so so important because yeah. she is she's such a mother and she's constantly like oh let me fix you a sandwich and let me you know oh no like you look tired when she rest oh this that like like she doesn't get jokes or like she's really sweet about the jokes like she really is such a presence that when she goes it does kind of just unlock everything if you're like oh fuck like we're screwed when you lose this person who clearly brought that balance like the way the daughters kind of joke with her and like joke about her like you know like oh but like they know that like okay here's dad and here's mom oh it's interesting that you didn't hate that character because i think i'm at a point in my life where i don't like like 70s doormat women (laughs) um or any, for that matter, yeah, any decade, because she re- she really is she she's she's not autonomous. She's not a real By person. No, means, no like... she exists for this family, and yes. it's fucking annoying. And she very much is like, oh, that was nothing. This whole yeah. family needs to be more assertive. Oh, that was nothing. Oh, I'm not gonna tell everybody that the fucking dog got gutted. Yeah, just tell everybody so that they can be a little bit more aware. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, though, yeah, I, I don't, when I say, like, oh, like, I think she's really important and all this, it's not that I want to be friends with her. I don't want to, like, oh, I wonder <laughs> what Mrs. Hills Have Eyes is cooking for dinner. Maybe I'll go see if uh, there's an extra seat at the table for me. But it's more, like, and the same with the dad. I don't like the dad, but I love that that's yeah. the character that they have in this movie. Because yeah, I think I, it works I, so I well. That. I get that. It's just, she... I guess maybe it's effective in the sense that I was so irritated right. by it. Um, I was, yeah. She's just reminded me of like Marge Simpson in the worst ways. Okay. Like, like when Marge says, "Now let's all forget our troubles with a big, big bowl, bowl of, of strawberry ice cream." It reminded me of so that, much. and I, I found that very irritating. But to extend that to Bobby, who is the the son, like motherfucker t- tell these people what are what's going on yeah but so i also irritating. get like 
look at his mother. This is the kind of woman that I bet you never wanted to come home and give bad news to because she would just cry and it would be uncomfortable. And I think they kind of justify him being there alone with his mother and his two sisters and thinking, I can't, if I say anything right now, they're just going to freak out and I can't, and I, and I can't calm them because I'm freaked out. So I'm just going to wait until dad gets here or until brother-in-law gets here and then we can deal with this. But I can't deal with this with them. And I mean, this is like, you know, as I say this, I know it sounds very like, oh, we can't worry the women folk. But that is the way this family no, it, is. It works in the in the plot yeah, of this movie, in the context though. of this family where yeah. you have when the when the patriarch is an alpha male police officer. To me, it is so believable that his wife would be a doormat, and that his kids like I bet like he taught Bobby how to fix a car, but probably never showed the daughters. Like it just feels so like I get I without having to say all of this i feel like some of the decisions made in this family are so clear to me and granted i've seen this movie a lot so that might be why too but it a lot of the decisions make sense based on who these characters are even without knowing that much about them i guess yeah no i i it makes sense in again maybe it's just a testament to the movie about like how irritated i got with it um do you like do, how do you feel about like the 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 youngest two? The I can't Bobby and Susie in it. Um, it's Lynn is um D Wallace Dee, and Brenda, Wallace. I believe is Brenda, her yes. sister. Yes, I so D Wallace is me. That's who I would be in this movie. <laughs> um, she That'd be Michael Berryman. is my favorite, but I, would you <laughs> probably? <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, but Brent. Brenda is great. I love Brenda. I love Brenda yep. in the remake. Yeah. Um, but I, I there's a little bit. I think once once so there's there's a fun thing that I really like in this movie. Um, there's a real character change. Like you have yeah. all these characters doing these things, and in my opinion, a lot of them are being annoying, and then the bad stuff happens and the people that are still left have to step up. Yes. And I really do appreciate Brenda's character turn. Yep. I think that after that stuff happens, she's extremely relatable and likable and she, she's endured a lot of trauma. And like, I've, I've read that her performance is obnoxious and shrill, but I get why she's like that. <laughs> Cause if you were raped, you probably would be too. Like she, like, and I, I get that, and I, I do like her resiliency, and she's very resourceful. She's the one that wants to start coming up with the plans yeah. as they're getting, oh, yeah. you know, attacked. And I, I, I like that she steps up. And yep. the brother-in-law, I love. He's even better in the in the remake. Yeah, in in the opinion. remake, they push that, yeah. like you know, hippie turned aggressor more than they do yeah. here. Yeah. And but and I like that. So I don't. I mean, I don't know what that says about me. I guess I just like the the juxtaposition of how unobservant and and how they they're they're not being they're not being assertive at all right and that that switch to this like to being the aggressors and to like I like that because I always I like that in movies when like people decide I just decide I'm not going to be afraid or I'm yeah. not going to be a victim. I know it's not that easy, sure. but I think that it's a nice turn when when something tries to take the story there. Yeah, and it's very much, you know, that's I think really indicative to the theme of the movie. What you have two dogs, you have Beauty and Beast. Guess what happens? 
Beauty dies in the first scene. Beast, who is a who is tearing the throats out of these guys, survives to the end. It's mm-hmm. and it's very true of this family. You have um, so what is it? Six six family members, and you know the ones that can't fight back are the ones who die. The ones that fight back, you know, they become different people in the end, but they survive because they are you know able to basically become these different people. Whether mm-hmm. that's a good thing or not, you know, is a whole other part. Um, the Wes Craven talks about the the DVD. Do you have the D- this on DVD? I don't. I actually don't own it. Surprisingly, I, I don't know if it's still released out, but I have the Anchor Bay DVD that they put out in like early two thousand something, and it's great. It's a two disc set, and the um, second disc is like like four different hour long documentaries about the movie and about Wes Craven. And it's really fun to watch because every, like it interviews everybody that was alive still. So D Wallace is on there. Bobby is on there. Brenda's on there. And mm-hmm. they all talk about, you know, the making of it. And they all seemed like pretty happy, you know, like the experience was apparently hell because it was a hundred degrees in the desert and all of that. Um, but there's a lot of good fun tidbits from it that you get. But one of the really interesting things is Wes Craven talking about, like the the whole reason they made the movie was it started with um, after uh, Less Us on the Left, Wes Craven like was having trouble making another movie. Nobody wanted to give him money, and like and he only was given being given offers for horror movies that like nobody mm-hmm. wanted the guy that made that movie to make a comedy, and so he had a producer who like his wife lived in Las Vegas, so he was always driving through the desert. And he was like, oh, this would be a great place to make a movie. Wes Craven, just write a movie set and set it in this desert and we'll, we'll make it. And so what Wes Craven based it on loosely is the old Shawnee Bean clan of Scotland. Do you know about mm-hmm. this, this family? I don't. So the Shawnee Bean, S-A-W-N-Y Bean, was a uh, infamous family that lived in or clan in Scotland that I think it was like between like 1400 and 1600 somewhere around there they lived like in the hills or in the trees or whatever and they would attack travelers through certain parts of the woods they would attack them kill them eat them whatever else and nobody knew like for hundreds of years nobody knew like under like realized who these people were and they finally Mm -hmm. found them uh and it was this family they were inbred they had just been you know kind of doing this forever and so, like, on one hand, that's the story of, like, oh, imagine, like, the United States where you have, it's all civilized, except you have these pockets where it's not. And what if you had this family living there for generations and, and just, you know, the wayward passerby ends up getting eaten. But what Wes, Wes Craven really found interesting was when the clan was caught, um, the uh, judges and so on sentenced everybody to death, but it was done, like, very cruelly where the women were tortured in front of the men the women were killed in like before the men were they were mm-hmm. all, like put through pure torture and for Wes Craven the interesting thing was the, like, the civilized people becoming worse than these savages once kind of driven to vengeance and all of that mm-hmm. and so you I mean you get that I guess you get that although to me like man these people are just trying to stay alive yeah, I don't get them like who are the real monsters. I don't get that vibe from this because they were 
they were viciously attacked. Multiple members of their family were killed violently in front of them. Right, right. And they stole a fucking baby that they yes. were going to eat. They were going to eat the baby. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't really feel. I got. So maybe that wasn't the the intent. Maybe the the base was that like what happened. What will people do when bad things happen? Like, right. Like, know, are how far are you willing to go? Yeah, but I didn't think that the movie was being judgy, nor do I think it should be. Yeah, because I mean, if that, like, if, okay, so if my family went out to the desert in Las Vegas, and guess what? When I was like seven, we took a family trip. To, no. So we didn't like, it wasn't like For the Hills Have Eyes, but we totally went to this desert. Were you like, stay on the main road? No, okay, no, this is a great, so this is. This is a wonderful moment in Intrevia family history. I think we were going to, like, Disney, but then we had family in uh, Nevada, so we were driving to them, and somehow my parents, like, knew, like, oh, I think if we just go this way, I think this is where they film The Hills Have Ice, which, of course, my family had watched a lot at that era. And so, like, we drive through, and I remember it. Like, I don't know how much I remember how much was me, like, in hindsight, putting it with this movie, and did I really see The Hills, or was it me, like playing with it but i remember like we drove through something like this and of course my parents are like oh look i see the you know the bald man over there and i was so into it i was like this is so cool my older brother tim who was two years older than me was crying and was so angry was like no we have to turn around we can't do this we're gonna die, we're gonna die. and he, he denies it to this day we actually had a huge argument about it recently when i brought that up um that poor thing oh please toughen up are you a Brenda or are you a D Wallace or are you a but Lynn? He was, he was Brenda before the bad oh, stuff happened. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, the actress who plays Brenda is delightful on the making of documentary. Oh, is she? She is. She talks about how like her agent did not want her to do this movie. She had done like a lot of family stuff and kids stuff and Disney stuff. So her agent was like, I don't, you should not do not do a movie where you get raped by the director of The Last House on the Left. But she really wanted to. She liked it and she liked horror movies. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the um, the scene when they were filming the trailer scene, right? Which is a really horrific scene. Yeah. You know, uh, that, like, everybody was, like, really tense. It was really hot. And, like, the whole crew was kind of uneasy because it was, like, the first time they were really, like, doing one of the really rough scenes. And so, like... <laughs> Her, it's the scene opens with her and Michael Berryman where he's on top of her, like holding her mouth. And so she said to him, she's like, I have an idea. Like, let's like, we're going to, we're going to break this tension. So what they did was um, as soon as Wes Craven said action, uh, they just started making out. Oh, which is pretty great. That's pretty great. That adorable. Yeah. Aw. So again, it's like one of those movies where you can tell, like, you know, like, this this was a hard shoot, but man, like everybody there probably had to give it their all. Yeah, it the performances are really good, and it reminds me kind of, um, from what I know of the production of it, kind of like the stories from Texas Chainsaw. Oh yeah, like, very people much. People were put in the positions that people were put in, kind of heightened the performances. Yep, yep. and it's the same production designer as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's Robert Burns. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, he also did Taurus Trap, which that I didn't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Look at you bringing the knowledge. Yeah, now I try. Uh, much like Vampire in Brooklyn, we have two dead animals in this movie. Uh, we have Beauty, as we mentioned. Yeah. And we also have a bird. Yeah, the bird. I mean, 
the whole beauty thing is upsetting, but much like the puppy and John Wick, I really when it is part of the story, yeah. I don't mind because bad things happen. Yep. So to show a movie where bad things don't happen isn't realistic. Yeah, it's and I agree. Like I'm I'm the does the dog die dot com user. Like I hate you know I need to know if an animal's gonna be yeah arm because it hurts me but this is a case where absolutely it's like no 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 it, this has to happen you have two dogs one of them this is the start of something's wrong and this is how we find out uh and it makes total sense too because if i was a savage cannibal living in the woods or living in the hills of las vegas and i saw a family come in the first thing i'm doing is killing the dog because that's mm-hmm. the thing that's going to warn them and make my life harder when i'm trying to eat them no, and it furthers the 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 theme of the movie. Beauty is more docile. Yep. Beast had killed a poodle, and they laughed about it, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, that's um, right. Nowadays, that dog would get put down for yeah, that. That's true. But you have these two polar opposites, and one of them gets murdered. Yep. So you know you must be more like this one in order to survive. Like so, it makes sense. It's totally yeah for a reason. It's not just like we like animal violence. I think they kill the pig, but we don't see that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I think so. Because like Ruby pretends that the pig is the baby. Yes. So yes. Ru- Ruby's the best. I love her. She's an amazing character. Yeah, she's great. Um, she's so great. I like when it's her and the brother-in-law together. I think yep. that's great. Um, she is an unsung hero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, also isn't Beast such a good dog? I mean, oh. aside from killing the poodle, like that—that's well, that dog was a real good actor. He was a great actor, yeah. Yes. And he was a fuck great fucking dog. Like that's like I I always appreciate a movie when you have like a great like an animal that you're like man that pet would save my life time and time again and he does like he's always like i love what i love the scene where he kills um mercury so mercury is the when he pushes up <laughs> it's such a great moment because mercury is like just there for one or two scenes and he's just kind of talking and you can tell that like he's the real dumb brother and he's played by the producer by the way which is cute oh that's fun and it's just this great moment where he's just like yeah everything's gonna be great and then beast is just like fuck you and just pushes him off the hill pushes and kills him, him off and then takes his radio yes, yes, he, he takes his walkie talkie god like, that's a good dog i love and and like that that when they get the walkie talkie that's a game changer oh yes yeah 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 so it's really that dog that dog and ruby yep the heroes yep. of this movie <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah um the so it's again like we we've talked a lot so i mean spoiling this movie is kind of non not not a thing because if i don't feel like there are that many surprises but the ending is kind of interesting in that they had an alternate ending oh okay i don't know if i knew this here's the interesting thing about the ending was i remember years ago watching the anchor bay release and i saw the alternate ending and i watched it and i was like wait no that's the real ending and here's why so spoiler alert to the hills have eyes 1977 the movie ends (laughs) with on the shot of like at this point brenda and bobby have defeated papa jupiter and Mm -hmm. you know some a mile away from them the brother-in-law is uh destroying i guess it's mars where he's beating them to death with his hands Mm -hmm. and ruby is watching in horror and crying and screaming and 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 the movie just ends on a shot of the brother-in-law covered in blood still pounding on him yep 
the original ending was there was one scene after that where basically brother-in-law and Ruby walk together and meet up with Bobby and uh, Brenda and just like hug. And it ends on hmm. this like sweet note of like, oh, look, it's a new family. They're okay. I like the ending the way it is. It's it, it's such a different ending. And I remember when I saw the quote unquote alternate ending, I was like, in my mind, I'm so used to movies ending that way that I didn't realize that wasn't how it like, you know, what yeah. I mean? I'm used to the, oh, no, we can't really end on an act of violence. We need one more kind of code us that you know it's okay yeah and in 1977 Wes Craven's like you know what nope I don't need to do that yeah 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 I I like it it's very abrupt it's so much more intense yeah it really is yeah. um like you don't you don't even need to know anything else yeah this yeah. is it yeah who knows I like maybe it. they make it out maybe not but just yeah this is what what, what is their life now as opposed yeah. to if it ends with them all coming together it's like oh they're gonna heal together in this case, it's like, no, who fucking knows? Like, they've they've gone, done dark things. They're never going to be the yeah. same. Um, the other scene that I think I always forget about that's kind of interesting. Well, first of all, can we talk about how, like, as much as the dad's a dick, and you know the dad, like, let's face it, the dad probably framed people and, like, pulled over anybody of color. And, like, you, you know he was a shitty dude. But, man, mm-hmm. he's got a pretty intense death. He does. It's it's pretty terrible. Like it's really upsetting. Like it starts with him having a heart attack, I guess. Yeah. Um which is really really hard to watch. I find like that's one of those things that I can I always have trouble watching on screen. Mm-hmm. But then he is set fire to after being yep. crucified. Which yep. is a little bit of overkill. And then he's beheaded after after death and um there's that one scene that that's really kind of cool where um you realize Papa Jupiter is talking to his head. Yeah. And he's just kind of saying like, you know, you come here and you shove your good life into my face. Yep. And it's a really interesting, like, Oh, kind of warning of like this whole, yeah, you were warned not to come here. And you know, guess what? Maybe this is why, because maybe, you know, your way of life is offensive when you, when it looks like you are shoving it in their face, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I, I, it's probably one of my favorite horror-ish movies. Yeah, definitely my one of my favorite genre movies. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know what I would really change if I was. I don't know what I would change. I mean, I think the only thing that every every time I see it, I'm kind of like, oh, um is some of the costuming of the savages if you will yeah it's a little yeah it's a little bit i went to a halloween store and they sold a bone necklace yeah. and i dipped it in dirt so it kind of looks dirty but it also looks like a halloween necklace yeah um and they could like they could all probably be even uglier i guess if you want to go yeah. that route uh, um Papa Jupiter's um, makeup isn't as bad as I remember. I remember thinking one of the last times I watched it that it was really bad, but it's it's not. So, yeah. When you put it next to the remake where, you know, in the remake, it's the one, the big twist I think they add to it is that they're kind of all a product of nuclear testing, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, their makeup is essentially, I think they're all like CGI'd, basically. Yeah. I remember not liking that too much. Yeah, it just, it feels, it's kind of like in wrong turn. I think 
like wrong turns okay but then wrong turn two with it which i love but where it's like oh they're really they really went for it this time and i yeah. don't know how i feel about that because it doesn't really work on screen mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think see, I, I like his makeup because it's it's dirty which like i think in a way i think he actually looks the best of all of them because yeah. basically like his big thing is that he has a like his nose was split down the middle from when his dad beat him with a tire iron and like that's really all you need and it works yeah, I agree. I, I I liked it this time out. Now, did you see? Uh, let, let's go with there are two. The hills have eyes to choose. Uh, let's talk about the first one. Did you ever see the one? Like from... I've I've never seen the sequel to this movie. I have seen the sequel to the remake. Okay, well, by seeing the hills have eyes, you've actually seen like half of the sequel. Oh, that's good. Because they pull a um a, a, a Silent Night Deadly Night thing where half of the movie is just flashbacks yeah if memory serves i think the dog has a flashback too Ooh. yeah which is so much more exciting than it or sounds so much more exciting than it is so don't get excited yeah well i believe yeah, theoretically that could be awesome i think the sequel is about ruby i think it's like ruby is now like a teenager in like real world but she keeps having these memories of her family and the memories are just the eyes. i don't remember anything else that happens in it i think i've seen it when i was like 10 and that was it um and then there's the sequel to the remake uh what did you think of that hated it can i so can i tell you i know we're probably getting long um but i don't know where to go uh, I um, that was the first movie I ever streamed. Wow, that's exciting. Um, so we had I had had Netflix like from the jump from early on, but then you know how Netflix was still actively being a disc sending company. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and then they slow rolled into streaming, and you could stream like seven different movies or whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember those this, days. This was the first one. Wow. That we ever streamed, yeah. I think mine might have been the stabilizer. Whoa! Yeah, right. I mean, that's... that's a fun question. You know, when people are like, "What was the first CD you ever yeah. bought?" Now, a good question is, "What's the first thing you ever streamed?" This well, my, would be, yeah. It. My first Netflix disc was Punisher Warzone. I know. That oh, very well. I I don't remember my first Netflix disc. I wish oh, I did. That's okay. But so you hated The Hills Have Eyes too? Hated it because it's so mean. Yeah, it's mean and it wasn't very good if memory serves yeah. there's things i like about it i believe that was written by wes craven and his son i don't know who directed it i don't think it was them um and if like i think i appreciated that like okay they're trying to kind of do something as a military story mm-hmm. like it's very much about like i think there was kind of like a colonization theme going on in there yeah. but the problem is it is so mean it is rapey in the ugliest of ways it does one of those really mean things where you have two female characters and one is like blonde and young and the other one is I think like Latina and has a child and like you know that she has a child and guess which one gets raped? Yeah. Like it's just one of those I remember watching it being like uh, like it's not good enough a movie to have this attitude about it because it's such a yeah. mean attitude and it's unpleasant. Yeah, I I I think Zach showed some interest in um watching it and i don't know i mean maybe maybe i'll i would be fine watching it again but like it's streaming on amazon i think that's the only one of of the four hills have eyes movies i think the remake sequel is streaming on amazon and nothing else is streaming that i could find 
But I do recommend if anybody like loves Hills Have Eyes, um, if that Anchor Bay DVD release is still out there, it's really a good find to have. There's a commentary and there's multiple um, making ofs, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I I would like to own it. I should own yeah, it. That's a good one to have. All right. Do you have any more to say about the Hills Have Eyes? I don't think so. I think my score is going to say it all. Yeah. All right. <laughs> On that note, what is your... What a cheese ball. What is your quality of film? Um, 8.75? Yeah, I would go probably like 8, 8. 8.25. We'll say 8.25. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, again, it's it's a low budget. Like, there's things that could have been done better, but for what yeah. it's trying to do, I think it does it really well. For sure. Yeah. And then quality of life. Um... 9.5? Yeah, I'm going 9. This yeah. like, like, this movie, again, like, there's a lot in... This was for... for what's the word? Formative? Um, yes. This was a big part of my life and childhood, and, like, in many ways, like, I might be who I am in part because of movies like this, and also movies like Clue. So there you go. You put them all together, add Muppet you State got, Manhattan, you got and Emily. you kind of have me. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, folks, if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, go have at it. Because I, I I, think it holds up so much really well compared to a lot of movies of its time that For have sure. different growing pains. For sure. And I think some of the things that maybe didn't click maybe the first time you watched it, like we're saying about Brenda. Because I remember being young and being like, oh, Brenda's so screamy. And I watch it now and I'm like, no, that's like that is totally fitting with how she would probably be at that moment mm-hmm. um yeah so it's it's good it's a great example of how to um how to use what you have and turn it into something really special mm-hmm. i agree Ooh. yeah so Wes craven a, a hidden misdirector if you will certainly on this week all right so with that having been said um yes. what Let's moving on. What is your streaming recommendation? So, I'm going to recommend this with with a caveat. The Hills Have Eyes. Um, yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> Soon. That'll be next time. <laughs> um, it. I. I like a good documentary. Um, content is very important to me. Like, what did I get from this documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't like self insertion. Mm. Um, I don't. I get kind of turned off when the filmmaker is very present in the film. Sure. Um, so it is with that being said that I recommend streaming on Hulu, um, Batman and Bill. I don't know. Which, this. It's the, it's a documentary about how there was another guy who created Batman and he didn't get any credit. Huh. And it's the journey to getting him credit for, you know, creating or co-creating, however you want to look at it. This, okay. this huge character. Um, so it's very much there's like a whole story and it unravels and you, there's twists and turns and you find stuff out. But it, the the guy who had really spent a, a huge amount of time researching this is it's his movie. Mm. So like he's very much like I did this and I did that. Like and it could have like it's great and it's great what he did. It's right. great. But like it could have been like smushed down to like a tight forty minutes mm. if you just removed some of the right. I know what you're stuff. saying. Um, but it is an interesting story, and I knew some of it, 
but so if you know none of it, it'd probably be really interesting. But even if you know a little bit, there's definitely aspects of it that are really touching and upsetting mm. and stuff. It is called Batman and John and and Bill and Bill. Um, yeah. I'm writing that down. It's we actually we now have Hulu. Kind of, I have Ooh. a friend who was like, "Use my password." I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm got Hulu now." So, um, and my husband is a Batman fan. So yeah, I, will, I wonder if he knows that whole story. I'm, I'm he probably does. I'm surprised yeah. I've never heard it from him. But, he likes but to tell Zach me knows a lot about it too. Like I think he's the first person that told me. Like because the dude that created Batman, his name is Bob Kane, and he Zach was always like he's such a dick, he's an asshole, he's mm. a terrible person. So like every a lot of people know that, but there's so much more to the story that like is worth looking at. But again, it might, maybe you won't be as put off by this gentleman as I was, but I just kept saying, like, bro, let other yeah. people talk. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. I gotcha. Interesting. I will recommend it. Ooh, what do you got? Uh, okay, so mine is from Amazon, and mine comes as a recommendation from our dear friend, Jason Fozzie Bear. Ooh, okay. So he texted me, and he said, hey, have you watched this movie on Amazon called Crush the Skull? I think you would like it. And it had been on my list forever, because the synopsis was like, a bunch of robbers break into a house, but find out that the person they're robbing has something up his sleeve and a torture den. So, of course, I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of movie I'm going to watch. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's it's really good. It's, it's it, I guess, is you could kind of call it a horror comedy mm-hmm. because it is very funny. However, what's so good about it is it's not, how do I say it? It is not treating itself or its material as if it's a comedy. It happens to be a comedy because the characters talk a certain way or have a certain rapport and things that happen are a little goofy, but it's like, it, it, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to and I can't think of anything because it's, it feels really fresh. Um, it's, it's independent, it's low budget. I think it was made like first as a short film and then it was like a Kickstarter project for years. So like you really feel as though the director and writer came into this knowing, knowing everything about these, these characters and the tone they wanted mm-hmm. and they got the right actors and they nail it. And it's just really fun and has like the opening scene. I was, I'm watching it like at the gym and I'm trying to figure out like, uh, like, oh, that's funny. Oh wait, no, I guess that's supposed to be horrible okay like I, I didn't it was like the first five minutes or so i really couldn't figure out i'm like what the tone was and then you kind of finally get into it you're like oh i get it oh no i'm allowed to laugh okay yeah that's really funny well wait um, would i like it i think you would um i i because it's like you know it, it's a i didn't recognize anybody in the cast they're all you know um young actors it's it's actually very diverse like the leading man is an asian american man and that's neat to see because we usually don't Mm -hmm. see that um it's uh, i think you should give it a try i think you should give it a try but give it a 20 minute try don't don't give it a five minute try give it like give it the first half hour and like even it does something really smart where like right from the beginning it makes its characters not dickheads like there's a character there's like characters are in a house and something goes wrong and there's a guy that enters with a gun and they're going to run away and then the one guy's like oh no there's a woman in there I-, I should go back and help her and it's just that little thing that you're like oh good i'm not watching a movie about assholes so i'm going to care about mm-hmm, them and mm-hmm. it makes such a difference and like the cast is really charming like they really kind of know what they're doing 
uh, and it's just fun. And I, I think a lot of our listeners would enjoy it. Um, it's like one of those, like when you find a, cause I mean, you, you go through this a lot too, I'm sure. Like it, independent horror and low budget horror, you want it to be good, but you kind of get so used to it not being good that maybe sometimes you just stop trying. Right. Yeah. And usually that's kind of me, like, unless something has a killer doll in it, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, if, if nobody in the cast has IMDb photos, I'm probably not going to yep. give it a go. And this one, they it's do, tough. But... It's tough because I've been burned too many sure. times. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I get that. Uh, with this one, like, a lot of the cat, like, they all played, like, you know, girl number three and something. But they're really good. And it's fun. And it's satisfying. Uh, and I think you would enjoy it. So crush the okay. skull. Do it. Give okay. it a go. Try du- it. Duly noted. Okay. All right. Uh, and then when next we meet, um, I had recommended something before we started recording. Are we still good with that? Yes. Okay. So I said to Christine, I said, um, I got my disc from Netflix and it's a movie that you had talked about before and it is Tragedy Girls. Yes. So we are going to cover that. Now, I know nothing about this movie. So you tell me, girl, what should we pair it with? Um, do you need some time? Oh my God. No, I know what I want to, can I, can I tell you? You can tell me. Final girl. Oh, okay. Which I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm going to get so confused. This is for me, the movie. The, okay. Final girl or final girls. I don't know. I can never remember. This is why I've just. The good one. The good one. See, I think. The one with Malin Ackerman in it. Final. Okay. Let's see. There are DVD results. Can I look at the DVD results for Final Girl as a poster Hold of on. A Girl in Red? No, not Final that one. Girls is, I think it's this Final is Girls. what you mean. It's Final Girls. Girls. Okay. okay. Sorry. Everyone, That's okay. I'm sorry. It's confusing because they're the same sorry. name except one has an S. Yes. And it's not even final, like final girl is Abigail Breslin and West Bentley, which I would I will watch someday, but no, not that one. Okay, okay, but not this day. Not um, now. Okay, so the. Oh my God! You know who's girls. in Final Girl? No. Cameron Bright, who we just can't get <gasps> of away. Of course from. he is. Oh God! Do we have to, do we have to make this a trilogy? <laughs> do we have to do all three at once? Yeah. Well, I, we should definitely watch this movie at some point because I keep meaning to. Okay. All right, but in this case, we're doing. The final girls. Is it on Prime? Maybe it's on Prime. I wa- I don't know if I watched it streaming. I was just going to say I watched it streaming and then I thought it was a lie. Okay. So well, this is why I also get confused because I just read a novel called Final Girls, a novel. Yes. Which is unrelated to The Final Girls and The Final Girl, but was a very good read that I would recommend. Oh, good. Hey, do you know there's also a dude that is in both movies? Oh, so why why would the world do that to us? Look, I can't help this. It's very confusing. You think? Um, yeah, but I've never seen Final Girl. Maybe it's good, but I'm going to tell you that I liked Final Girls a lot. Okay. So I'm very excited to talk about it. All right, then that's what it's going to be. Tragedy Final Girls. The Tragedy Final Girls. I clapped close to the microphone. Oh, I hear it. it. I hear it. No one hear it. Sounds good. Good, good, good. Uh, All right, folks. So on that note, you all enjoy the end of summer. And once we come back, we are going to, um, I guess, kill a lot of young women. Is that how that works? Um, I mean, yeah, fair amount, I guess. All right, cool. That's that then. Later. Bye.
as old as time True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little change Small to say the least Both a little scared Neither one prepared Beauty and the beast Ever just the same Ever a surprise Ever as before Ever just as sure As the sun will rise Tale as old as time Tune as old as song Bittersweet and strange Finding you can change Learning you were wrong Certain as the sun Rising in the east, tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Good night, love. <laughs>